Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Have you ever seen someone resuscitated back from the dead? In the medical field, there's a word they use called revive. It's defined as to regain or restore life, consciousness, and strength. During an operation, what happens if a person flatlines during treatment? The goal of the doctors and nurses, the medical professionals, is to revive that patient. And do you know we as Christians, we are called to do the same thing only from a spiritual perspective? We're surrounded by those people you know, family members possibly, friends in your community. That's why we're doing Back to Church Sunday. There are people who are spiritually dead and they need to be revived, resuscitated, brought to life again. And God has called us to be a touch point in helping that miracle to take place. If we're here just to receive from God all of the time, And we are not giving back to his heartbeat. We give when we serve in our churches and and in special parachurch ministries in the community and and other communities. Some of you go on summer mission trips and and you give of your time and, and you help people in an impoverished area. All of that's wonderful. But if we're not personally, as a lifestyle, making it our mission to really somehow, some way, Touch people who don't know Jesus. Inviting them to church. Giving them hope. Instilling faith in them that the God of the Bible is still the same God today. The same God who parted the Red Sea. The same God who brought fire down from heaven. He is still the same God today. Miracles still happen. How many believe that? Say amen. Amen. And so we need to give people somehow, some way, even through of non-threatening invitation. Come and see. And so we all play a part in helping to revive those that desperately need Jesus. But here's the question. How exactly can we accomplish this? Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 14, 1 through 3. That's our text for this morning message. Now it happened in Iconium that they, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, speaking of Paul and Barnabas again, they stayed there for a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness, I like this, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, God's grace. How? Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. How many of you would like to be used by God to demonstrate signs and wonders? I mean, really think about it. Everyday common folk, just like me and you, It's not the superstars we find in Scripture. It's not the evangelists that are preaching to hundreds of thousands, even sometimes over a million people. Yes, God wants to use them, but He also wants to use us one-on-one. Lifestyle evangelism 
lifestyle, signs and wonders to accompany our message. You never know when God will show up with an extra measure of faith to use you to spark and revive someone back to Jesus. Paul and Barnabas, they went to Iconium. They were preaching there in the synagogue. Then God showed up. People began to believe the message. And they didn't show up just because of the eloquent teaching and the words. But there was something that accompanied these men that they hadn't seen with the other religious leaders. There were signs and wonders. The miraculous. But it wasn't happenstance. It was all because Paul and Barnabas had the necessary tools, which is why they experienced revival. So today, I want to talk about how we can have revival now. That's the title of my message. Sometimes we're looking down the road, oh, it's coming, it's coming. But God says He's ready for revival now. If it's not here, then there's something blocking it. And just as John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord, we are called to fulfill that same role to prepare the way for the Lord. In our lives, because when our lives have been prepped, made ready for revival right now, then it's going to bleed through us. How many of you want to bleed revival? Hallelujah. If, if the devil was to come and cut us, would we gush out? Revival through the blood of Jesus. That's what the Lord wants to do. So if you want revival now, here's my encouragement to you. Get hungry. Get thirsty. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 5, 6? Blessed are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I like that word filled. You know, in the Greek, that word is also defined as they shall be armed. They shall be equipped. If the kingdom of darkness looks at us, they should see us armed and dangerous. We are fully equipped with the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. How many of you honestly believe, those of you watching online, how many of you honestly believe the devil is no match to the Creator, to God Himself? He's no match. Jesus proved that on the cross. He faced death, went to the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, and he came back just like he said he would. God always honors his word. The devil is no match to the Lord. And if we will hunger and thirst, Jesus said it, he will fill us. He will arm us, equip us, so that we can move in the power of the Holy Spirit just like he did during his earthly walk. And you really only see the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God for three and one half years of the entirety of Jesus' life of 33 and one half years. The last three and one half years of his life were power packed. Why? Because he was armed. He was equipped. He was ready. Hallelujah. And when this takes place, 
In order for us to move in that same kind of anointing, and how many want that anointing in your life? How many of you want to make a difference? You want to finish the, the race, cross the finish line strong and at a full sprint. How many want that? Then in order to do that, you need to understand first, write it down, we'll turn your bulletins over, the mission. No one will succeed if they don't know what they're trying to accomplish. What's your goal? Even with those who go and pursue higher education, we have many of our students that are going back now to school and starting college, and there are individuals entering a master's and even PhD programs. What are you doing? You're preparing for greater effect. You're increasing your knowledge so you can understand and fulfill the goals, the purpose that are set before you, or the mission. God has a plan. How many believe that? Say it out loud. God has a plan. And this plan is found in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Jesus said this. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Praise the Lord. How many of you believe? How many of you believe that God is the final word? How many of you believe that the Lord is not going to allow history to finish with the church weak and powerless? That's why Jesus didn't stop at verse 16. He continued, and he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. How many of you believe? Then look for these signs. Come on. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. And they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, just like we did with Bill Pigeon and countless others in this church. They will lay hands on the sick, just like we did with Sharon Thran. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? They will lay hands on the sick. Who is they? It's you and I, believers. It's not the superstars. Thank God for those that have a larger audience. Amen. But the real power of the gospel is grassroots. One person at a time. When one believer will take God at his word and pray for a friend, a relative, a stranger on the street, they will believe that God can make a difference. They will lay hands on the sick, and nothing shall by any means hurt them. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick again, and they will what? Recover. How many of you, if you've ever been sick, like to recover? I don't think there's anyone. You're going to go to the doctor? No, I'd rather die. You know, I, I, I like suffering with all of these symptoms. You know, we seek help because we want to recover. And then when there are circumstances that present themselves, and it's beyond the abilities of natural resources, that's where the power of God comes in. He always has the final say. He always has the last word. Amen. God heals. When you look at Paul and Barnabas, they understood the mission. They understood what they were called to do. 
Years prior, both men had encountered Jesus. For Barnabas, it was as a rich young ruler who hung his head in shame when he was given the cost of discipleship, but later came to the Lord. Then for Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, it was on the road to Damascus when he encountered Jesus and was knocked off of his horse. It was these encounters that compelled both of these men to share their faith afterwards. They understood the mission. Everybody say the mission. They understood the mission, and if you and I want revival now, not something we're always praying for, Lord, send revival. No, Lord, send it now. Send it now. Lord, whatever it takes, send it now. And if we want revival now, then you and I, the church, need to understand this mission as well. That's why every mission comes with, my next point, the message. You know, there's always instructions. The plan is always written down, whether you serve in military service, whether you're in corporate America, there's a strategy, there's a plan, there's a narrative, a message that goes with the strategy. Why? Because that message is what keeps people focused and keeps them on point. The church right now is just too distracted by all of the narratives that are out in the world. And, and we're chasing after, we're chasing after just misconceptions or we're chasing after, you know, just wild things that have taken us off point, that have removed us from what the real message is. Jesus came for one purpose, to seek and to save those who were lost. That's you and me. And that's what we should be doing. Don't get wrapped up in politics. Don't get wrapped up in petty arguments with people in your, uh, in, in your workplace and other areas. All of these things may be important, but they can't distract us from the real message. What our mission is, what God has called us to fulfill. And what is this message? There is forgiveness for all sin. I think people need to hear that. That even whatever they've wrestled with, whatever they've done, there is forgiveness for that sin. The message is also there is deliverance from all sin. You know, so many times people say, well, God's forgiven me, but I'm just going to wrestle with this the rest of my life. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You know that word indeed is specific in Scripture? In the Greek, that word means no strings attached. Free indeed. The devil doesn't have a leash on us after we come to Christ. Then if we go a little too far for Jesus, well, they're getting a little too radical for Jesus. Their faith is accelerating. You know, let's pull them back. Free indeed. Free with no strings attached. The Bible says don't give place to the devil, right? That means the devil doesn't have anything on us as believers unless we give it to him. So what's the answer? Take it back. Do you hear me? Oh, I've, I've just done too much. Even as a believer, I messed up. So did Peter. But he didn't allow it to stop him. He didn't allow his failure to define him. He took it back. He learned. And he became the man of God that Jesus prophesied he would become. Do you know the Lord has prophesied over you? So my encouragement is 
fulfill the mandate. Carry the message. There is deliverance from all sin, forgiveness from all sin. And I like this third one. There is restoration from all sin. I love in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel says, the Lord will restore the years. I enjoy, especially with Teen Challenge, we support them. Adult Teen Challenge over in New Jersey. We also support the Good News Home for Women. And, and, and just when you see the photos of these men and then also these women, when they enter the program in the very beginning, off the street, ravaged by sin, their bodies impacted and, and, and showing the actual effects in their physical bodies of the bad choices. And then to see a year later when they graduate, the before and after. You watch these commercials on TV, these diets before, and then it's like someone that is, you know, grotesquely overweight. And then you see someone that's ready to play in the NFL. You know, just showing the before and after. That's what God does spiritually. And you know what he does inwardly will also manifest itself outwardly. Your countenance, your health, everything. Good living, Christ-like living, you know, produces good fruit, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. And that's what the Lord, he'll restore us. No matter what the sin, he's faithful. He said it, not me, I will. He didn't say, well, I'll pray about it. Or I might do it. He said, I will restore the years that the locusts, the swarming locusts, the vast army has taken away, eaten from you. You don't have to remain in, in, in the broken ashes and the defeat. God always finishes what he begins. See, the apostle Peter, he understood the message. Look at Acts 4.12. Here the day of Pentecost had transpired, and then he stands up and he gives about a 10-minute sermon. And part of it was this verse right here. Nor is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. We've got to stop blending our message as the Christian church with the world's message. They're not compatible. You know, it's not enough just to work hard and, and, and learn. It has to begin with the spiritual transformation, salvation, sozo, the miracle of being brought from darkness into the light, spiritual death into spiritual life. Jesus said it to Nicodemus. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven if you're not born again. Born again, I, I've seen other liturgical and ecumenical organizations, they take offense to that term because they feel it's evangelical. Well, it is evangelical. But the evangelicals didn't make it up. The first person ever to use that term was Jesus himself as he spoke to a Pharisee at night. And what he was emphasizing is the whole message of salvation. To be born again when Adam sinned, all of the human race, he and all of the human race, his seed, and his seed seed, and every seed that will follow were born spiritually dead. And the only way to have true salvation, indeed, free indeed, no strings attached, is through accepting what Jesus made possible when he died for us. That's the message. Yes, someone has an addiction. Let them find help. 
through rehab and, and, and other types of intervention. But in the end, that's not enough. They need Jesus. Some people can live dry but still be chained. Jesus says, I'll dry you out and I'll break the chains. He's the chain breaker. I love that. That's why he said to the woman at the well, you know, you know, go and tell others. And then she went and shared her message. Why? Because he broke the chains. That's why he said the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more. He wouldn't ask her to do something that he hadn't already enabled her the ability to, to fulfill. She could go because he broke the chains. And that's what salvation is. Removing the root, the source of the problem. Amen? And that's salvation. And that's why we need to carry that message. You'll, you'll, you'll meet some individuals. They'll say, well, I'm not a Christian, but I've been dry 30 years. I've, talked to pe- I've spoken with people like, that have shared that narrative with me. I said, praise God. I said, that's great news. I am so happy. I celebrate with you. I commend you for 30 years. But in 10 more years, or 20, or 30, whatever it is, when your life comes to an end, where are you going to spend eternity? You know, dry on earth for however many years. But then absent from the body, present where? We're all eternal. Did you know that? We were made, God made us to live forever. That's why we're created in His image. So if a person doesn't commit to Christ, they'll spend eternity in hell. The unsaved go to hell, much to the heartbreak of Almighty God. And those who have received and accepted Jesus Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord, heaven. There are only two eternal destinations. And for those that we know and love, if we really care, Not that we become obnoxious, but we somehow, we ask God to open the door. Holy Spirit, open the door somehow, some way, so I can share Jesus with my coworker, with my friend, with my brother, whoever. Because eventually, our days here come to an end. But eternity knows no end. And if we don't know the message... When God presents an opportunity, then we'll be at a loss for words. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, two destinations. Eternal death or eternal life. Hell or heaven. And that's why... When we are faithful to share the message, God is so vested, He is so behind that message that He has given, that He will confirm when we share this message, He will confirm His word with my closing point, the miraculous. Do you know why I believe? There are many reasons why we don't see miracles as we once did. But one of the reasons It's because I don't believe people are sharing the message. If we're not active about his business, if we're not committed to share his love, his redemption, his salvation with others, he's not going to waste a miracle. 
Some people, they want miracles. And, and we've seen where people, these celebrity-type preachers, where they charge people in a prayer line. I saw the other day two preachers that call themselves quote-unquote prophets. But they should be called prophets, but spelled P-R-O-F-I-T-S. Charging for a prophetic conference $3,500 each enrollee. $3,500. And guess what? It's online. There's no expense. God will not waste His power on those that want to exalt themselves. Scripture says He'll share His glory with no one. That's why Jesus, when He came, what did He do? Scripture says he made himself of no reputation. He didn't build a name for himself. He focused on the mission and the message that his heavenly Father had given him. That's what we need to do. Yes, we have responsibilities. I get that. Honestly, I do. But interwoven in every part of our being, every day on our agendas, we have to always be ready to make room for Jesus at any given moment. It's like with the start of different sports seasons and now the NFL has returned. Everybody has their team that they're cheering for. And when the games are close, each team is waiting for that opportunity at any given moment to see a breakout and a breakthrough that will be a game changer. And we have to live like that with life. Be ready when God is going to bring a game changer, a breakout moment for someone else's life that desperately needs Jesus. But if we're so caught up in every other talking point and we allow ourselves to become distracted, we will miss the greatest moment of our lives to make a difference in someone else, which will then make a difference in a broader perspective in the kingdom of heaven. The miraculous. Hallelujah. I want signs and wonders in my life. How about you? Now, were you sort of bashful in your response because you feel like, oh, I don't think I'm one of the people that God could use that way. I'm here to tell you. He's chosen you. He has called you. He has equipped you. The same anointing Jesus walked in during his earthly ministry. That anointing is in you. Whether you tap in, whether you open up the gates, hallelujah, and say, pour through me, Holy Spirit. Pour through me. Lift your hands right now. Just This is a God moment. The Lord's in this house right now. Whether you feel it or not, I want every hand lifted unless you physically are unable. Then in your mind, lift your hands. Just pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, Pour through me. Use me. Holy Spirit, I say yes. Amen. That's where it begins. The willingness when we say, Holy Spirit, reign in me. Pour through me. Use me. Use me. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, he said the following regarding miracles. Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. So let me ask the question. 
those of you here and those of you watching our broadcast, what are you expecting? What do you expect from God in your personal life, in your ministry? I don't even know if I have a ministry. Well, there is one. Discover it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it. But what are you expecting? You get what you expect. If you expect nothing, that's exactly what you'll live with. Expect everything God has promised. Amen? You know, He wouldn't have left a promise if He didn't intend to fulfill it. When you're in your darkest hours, if you're familiar with the promises now, you'll be able to draw on them then. When someone else is walking through a difficult time because you're filled with the promises of God, you'll be able to share and interact. And God will do a miracle through you on behalf of someone else. And you know what I found? The power of God's contagious. When people really are touched, they want to see other people have the same thing they have. And, and, and when the Holy Spirit, His power, the miraculous, is demonstrating, manifesting through the church, through us, one person at a time. That is a contagion. People are tired of empty words and empty promises. That's politics. They want to see results. And that's why the miraculous. That's why signs and wonders. I always have an altar call. I always pray for the sick. Why? Because I'm expecting, I'm giving the Holy Spirit opportunity. I'm opening the floodgates so that God can take and do the unexpected because we're expecting for someone else. They may not be expecting it, but we're believing just like Barnabas, just like Paul, and that's why they extended their stay ministering in Iconium. Praise the Lord. They believed. Paul and Barnabas, they believed. Look at Acts 14.3. Therefore they stayed there a long time. A long time. They stayed because there were results. Lives were being changed. The power of God was in demonstration. The church was enlarging. People were beginning to operate in the miraculous. They stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord. Who was bearing witness to the word of His grace. Whose word was it? God's. That's why God honors it when we preach His word. He'll honor His word. The word of His grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Have you ever heard people say, seeing is believing? Well, you know, for us as believers, believing is seen, not the other way around. Miracles follow the message. Amen? Amen. Everybody wants the miracles, and I'll talk up later. No. Say it now. Faith calls those things which are not as though they are. It's what Bill, last Sunday after we prayed for Bill, I went up to him and I said, Bill, miracle's yours. He goes, it's already done, Pastor. Already done. I said, that's faith. Calling those things which you don't know what the outcome is yet. But you speak like God speaks. God's language. How many of you speak God's language? God's language is faith. Glory to God. Hmm, glory to Jesus. Speak His language. Sometimes people cry out. It's a different language. He doesn't understand doubt and unbelief and fear and failure. I'm sorry, I don't speak that language. Have you ever been to a different country? And you get there. 
Sometimes we feel like if we speak slow and loud in English, they'll understand us. It's nice to meet you. No comprende. You got to speak the language. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. Some people are asking, but they're asking with the wrong language, out of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, God will respond to our cries for help, but He expects us to learn His language, to learn His promises, learn His Word. That's why I was astounded. I, I remember a few years ago, I, I, I was dealing with the statistics of church attendance, and it was 1.5 times a month a few years back. A few weeks back when I, I was researching and it called for statistics, I said, ah, I'm not going to really bring that out because I'm sure it's probably the same. Well, I was sure surprised, and not in a good way. Monthly or yearly church attendance, now they don't measure by monthly, they measure by yearly, is 10 times a year. 10 times a year. You know, how can we grow in our understanding of God's Word? Well, I just get it online. Forsake not the assembling together of the saints. Online is great. And when certain situations, circumstances, needs present themselves, it is a great alternative, but it's not God's favorite. He approves it, but it's not His favorite. When we gather together, the atmosphere has changed. Then one person's anointing is contagious. I've been in meetings where I've been a worshiper. I've been in meetings where I've been a speaker on the venue. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost... We've never really seen this yet in this church. That's why we need to title my message, Revival Now. But the anointing of God comes down, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes on a person, and they're literally shaking under the anointing. Then all of a sudden, the person on the left and right, they begin to shake under the anointing of God, the presence of God. Doesn't Scripture say He will shake everything that can be shaken? Some people say, I just think that's hyperism. It is not hyperism. We are mortal bodies, and when an immortal God, hallelujah, the King of all kings, the only God, comes and begins to enlarge and pour more of Himself into us and upon us, then we get into a higher altitude atmosphere spiritually, and it's like a plane if they go too high. It begins to shake because it's not built for that capacity. And that's what can happen to us when even more of heaven begins to touch earth. Glory to God. How many want this? How many want this? I said, how many want this? Then we begin to physically be affected in a good way by the presence of God. The miraculous goes hand in hand with that. Don't be content to live with less. May your prayer always be, not just now while you're inspired, but when you leave this house, your daily devotionals, your daily prayer times, those intermittent prayer times, Lord, I want more. Not more money. Not more stuff. I want more of your spirit. I want more of you. I want more of your holiness. I told you a few weeks ago I had that dream. God spoke to me in a dream, and I know He was saying this is not only a message for me, but it was a message He wanted me to communicate to the audience He has entrusted under my care. He spoke to me in Peter's epistle, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. The character of God, the holiness of God, reverencing Him, the fear of God. God is about to move. But let's 
get in alignment with him. Amen? God honors his word. And again, that's why Mark 16, 17, Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. We can do anything in his name when it's in agreement with his word. In conclusion, there have been many revivals throughout history that we can learn from since the inception of the Christian church. Beginning on the day of Pentecost, what happened? God poured his spirit out on 120 believers who were gathered in an upper room. And this ignited a chain reaction which empowered those believers, and since then, to live, speak, and minister just like Jesus. Then, 1,041 years later, 1,041 years later, another move of God came. But it was preceded by that entire over a millennium of length by what is referred to in history as the Dark Ages. A lack of light, a lack of spiritual illumination, decadence, great evil happened during that period of the Dark Ages. And then in 1517 A.D., the tide changed. Aren't you glad that God notices? Aren't you glad God will always finish what He begins? In 1517 A.D., the tide changed when a Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther had a revelation of salvation by faith through God's grace. And that is what gave birth to another revival called the Reformation. Afterwards, there were three great awakenings that followed the Reformation in the 1600s, the 1700s, and the 1800s, revealing the world's need for a Savior, Jesus Christ. Then when the 1900s entered, the 20th century, there were a series of revivals beginning with the Welsh Revival, then the Pentecostal outpouring, the Charismatic Renewal in the 60s and 70s, the Word of Faith movement in the 80s, and the Father's Blessing in the 90s. And now here we are more than two decades later. We've entered the 21st century. And what are we doing as a church? We're waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for what God will do next. Last week my message was titled, Next. And God is about to move in to the next thing he has for the church it was prophesied in the Old Testament by the prophet Joel chapter 2 verse 28 when the spirit of God said in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams I guess I'm an old man I've been dreaming quite a few dreams and your young men shall see visions do you know what was being spoken of here God was prophesying regarding the end time harvest. A harvest that he has given a name to. The greatest awakening. There have been many great awakenings. But the greatest awakening will be that outpouring 
that will usher in the number God has ordained. And then the rapture of the church. We want God's presence now. Amen? A move of God is the only thing that will fix this broken world. And instead of being future-minded when it comes to the move of God, we need to transition into the here and now, the present. And we need to make our prayer for ourselves and for this world we live in. Lord, I pray for revival now. Revival now. That's what God is calling right now for all of you. Understand the mission, understand the message so we can move in the miraculous. But don't wait for the future. Begin to be the miracle now. When we move now, then revival will be released. Amen. We're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He's waiting on the church. And so as we close out this service, I want you to make your prayer revival now. Lord, anything that's standing in the way of a greater move of your Holy Spirit in and through me, Lord God, show me so I can take back what the enemy has stolen. I can take steps to remove that blockage. Lord, I want revival now. I want more of you. I want to flow in signs and wonders. I want my faith to elevate to that next level. That is the end time church. And it's very obvious. You watch the news, read the newspapers. We are living in the end times. So revival now. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.